0: I think that the thing Bible class should be is driver's ed and the Bible is car, right? Where you're not learning about the car so much, but you are. There's some about the car in there. You're learning how to, how to use the car, right? How to interact with the car. And it's setting up a future with you with the car, right? Um, everything that you learn here is enabling something that you do outside of here. Um, and it's preparing you and giving you the skills to fully enjoy the car, and to get everything out of it that there is to get out of it. I like that. Bible classes, driver's ed. That blew my mind, Nathan. <laughs> Thank you
1: for this. I'm glad I could bring you two together. <laughs> Next up, being biblically rooted, right here on the Avenue for Faith. The Bible lies at the heart of all that we do, and yet it's so easy to get caught up in all the extras that we forget about sharing Scripture as the people of God. I sat down with Keith Stanglin, one of my close friends and a world-class theologian who lives and works out in Austin, Texas at the Austin Graduate School of Theology. I began by sharing with Keith that one of the seven core principles at Shared Avenue is to be biblically rooted. Keith, how important is a principle like that, given where we are today?
2: I think that's great um Of course, being biblically rooted uh that is essential to an adult education program and really to um christian living right so it's a it's a core principle. take scripture first scripture it's the primary rule of faith and practice, at least that's what we say, right. It's more than a book of aphorisms, more than um, a thing we consult, you know, um, once a week, um, opening it it up in worship, you know, in a book or the smartphone or whatever. The Bible is the written word of God. It's God's inspired word to us. It reveals to us who he is and what he has done to redeem this uh, good but fallen creation.
1: I have a good friend who says that in our adult Bible classes these days in our churches, we often read books about the book, but spend very little time actually reading the book, meaning Scripture. So my question to you is, what can be done about that?
2: So um, what do we need to do? We need to encourage Bible reading. Of course, there are all kinds of ways to do that. Um, I think, you know, you can encourage daily Bible reading, encourage people to read through the Bible in a year. I think churches need to assess some of those programs and see, you know, is that for everyone? Um, Are we bringing, it'd be great to, to have that high bar being met, but if, you know, you, if people are at level one or two out of 10, um, the thing to do is not try to pull them up to ten all the time and immediately. You know, if someone's at two, then we need to pull them up to three or four, a couple of notches on the dial. Um, so, how do you do that? There, you know, are some some I think ways that we can promote individual Bible reading so that people are familiar with the contents of Scripture. That's it. I mean, we're in in an age of declining biblical literacy across the board and in in probably nearly all of our churches. I don't know of an exception. Um, So we have to encourage people to read their Bibles.
1: This can be harder than it sounds. Uh, My friend Randy Harris, who spent most of his career out at Abilene Christian University, speaks about the problem of declining biblical literacy that's actually related to just the decline of literacy
2: most males do not read a book all the way through when they get out of college for the rest of their life and i tell people i have some evidence they don't read one all the way through while they're in college uh but okay now you think about that so uh i i grew up reading the bible i you know I love to read the Bible. I love to read. I love to read anything. But now I've got to think about how am I going to spiritually form people who don't have the same sort of commitment to to, to the the written word uh, that I do. In this case, it, it's not just the written word with the big W. It's the written word with a small W. You know, what do you do with a generation that's more genera- uh, That's more formed by images and song uh, than it is by word. I don't have great answers to that.
1: But
0: I got to think about it.
1: One thing we can do, says Keith Stanglin, is to try to remove distractions, starting with technology. I mean, what about a regular old open Bible?
2: I think um, that it's really helpful for people to use print Bibles. Um, I visited a church recently where it was obvious that there is... An expectation. It wasn't spoken. Maybe it's been spoken there before, but the, the the days I've visited, no one has ever said this. But someone has said it or implied it along the way that you need to have your Bibles out for this sermon. The sermon was biblical, exegetical. It was great, but the preacher was going through um, this or that chapter of Scripture and just surveying the congregation from where I sat. I've not been in a church like that often um, in recent years. I'd say in the last 10 or 15 years where I saw that many Bibles out on people's laps during the sermon. Um, And so there's a culture there of people bringing a Bible with them and using it. I mean, that's the thing. It's two steps. Bring your Bible with you but it's not just an accessory that you carry with you to church with, you know, like your purse or whatever. Um, You use it. Uh, Hopefully the sermons use the Bible. And so you open it up and you follow along and there is this week after week um, absorbing of scripture in addition to the uh, personal and individual Bible reading
1: Our goal, of course, is to get people to love reading the Bible. And Keith says that the distractions is part of the problem.
2: Um, How can we learn to love reading the Bible? This is a challenge for a lot of reasons. Um, One, just very simply, more and more people don't read anything. And if they do read, it's something on a screen, with lots of pictures, no more than a few hundred words, and they skim it, usually, right? So contrast that with the presentation on the page uh, of a Bible on the page, right? It's just so very different from the way most people engage reading these days, if they engage it at all. So the first thing I would say is, this might sound, by the way, um, kind of technophobic, but I think it is a, uh, an, an indisputable point. Turn off the screens because that is the most significant competitor to reading. If it's not, and, and you know, you've got a listener, you say, no, no, that's, that's not the problem. Then, okay, whatever the distraction or the problem is, turn that off, all right? but I would say for 99.9% of the people, they would we would have to admit it's screens in whatever form they are that is the competitor to that leisure time, that downtime that we would normally take in reading. And I'm not even talking about reading the Bible. I'm talking about just reading words on an actual page. So if we turn off the screens or whatever that distraction is, that opens up, more space for reading. And if we open up more space for reading, period, then we're opening up more space
1: for Bible reading. Keith also reminds us that being biblically literate and biblically rooted takes practice and work and is a discipline.
2: So first it's just finding the time for it. You know, Bible reading is a discipline. I'm saying all that to say for some people, It's not natural, okay? For some people, to talk about the love of Bible reading may sound something like the love of exercise or the love of vegetables, right? Some people really love those things. Uh, I'm not a great lover of exercise and vegetables, and my earthly self, um, devoid of God's grace, would probably never engage in those things. So, and that's why you asked the question um, when we say, learn to love the Bible, because for some people, it's not always natural.
1: It's clear to me, Keith, that people should open themselves up to the Word of God. But how can we equip and empower our teachers to help people open themselves up to the Word of God?
2: So, make space for it. I think that's uh, uh, the first thing. Probably also we need to offer more training in how to read and interpret and and apply the Bible. Um, Once people come to see the unifying message in Scripture and come to see its relevance for living, I think then its beauty will shine through more clearly. But we just, I think a, a lot of people just don't know literally don't know what to do with this, Um, especially outside of kind of the main passages of scriptures, you know, the gospels, which still um, present some problems with some difficult passages, but outside of probably the gospels and a couple of letters of Paul, some of the more familiar ones, most, many Christians anyway, just don't know how to engage scripture so Engaging it is going to be the first step in learning to love it, um, in seeing how it does speak, how God speaks through it to um, the deepest needs of
1: our hearts. Jennifer Gerhardt speaks exactly to this point when she describes what Bible class ought to be is like driver's ed, with the Bible as the car, teaching people how to use it for the sake of a bigger, better world.
0: I think there's two pits here for Bible classes that are like common pits. So the one is that they just become information dumps um, where people learn a bunch of information. Um, the other one, right, of course, is that no one ever learns anything and people just pool their ignorance in discussion that doesn't really have any foundation where people just say what they think, right? It's like Facebook. It's like Bible class is Facebook. I think if I had to think of a model for Bible class, I like the model of if, if, um, so in our, I'm going to use a metaphor, I always use metaphors, uh, in our two options we've given so far, right? You get the Bible class as a knowledge stuff. That's like Bible is world history class. Right. Um, and then you've got the, everybody just gets together and talk. is like Bible is homeroom. Nothing's really accomplished, but everybody likes each other when it's over. Um, I think that the thing Bible class should be is driver's ed. And the Bible is the car, right? Where you're not learning about the car so much, but you are. There's some about the car in there. You're learning how to how to use the car, right? How to interact with the car. Um, it's setting up a future with you, with the car, right? Um, everything that you learn here is enabling something that you do outside of here. Um, And it's preparing you and giving you the skills to fully enjoy the car and to get everything out of it that there is to get out of it. And I think a lot of people have been told things about the Bible, but not many people know how to read their Bible. Uh, I know this because constantly I'll I'll be teaching and and I'll go through a Bible story and I'll have 10 people come up and, and be like, I don't understand how you saw that. They're like I, I see it now after you talked me through it or you walked me through that story. When you were talking I could just see it in my head and I could understand it and well wow, I've never God now. Yeah, I've never yeah. thought that God acted that way. I've I've never asked those questions before, right? And and all of a sudden they feel closer to God and they feel like interested in their Bible in a way they never did before. And um, they feel like maybe there's something relevant in it for them. And um, but to me, I'm like, well, that's just how you read the Bible. Right. But I think it's because somebody taught me how to read the Bible. Um so I wish we were doing more of that. I, I think that that more, um, and this would look so much like what teachers are doing with little kids, right? When they when they teach them ideas and principles, and like how to do addition and stuff, the teacher doesn't do addition for the students. The teacher shows them ways of, of doing it themselves and helps them learn by trying. Uh, and I think we have more opportunity for that in Bible class than we're currently doing.
1: Doesn't Jennifer get you both interested and excited about the written word and the difference you can make as a teacher to your students by opening up the word and showing them how it comes alive so that they see God in every story? And this is also speaking to the power that's in the word itself.
2: One of my favorite quotes is from uh, Pope Gregory I, the Great, and he said that the word of God is like a river both shallow and deep in which a lamb walks and an elephant swims. I love that. All right. Scripture is like that river that a lamb can walk in. It's shallow enough that a lamb can walk in it. But it's in in places, it's also deep enough that an elephant can swim. In other words, there's something there for everyone. Um, If you're a beginner, there's something in the Bible that will be building to you, encouraging to you, that you will learn from it, um, and uh, you'll benefit from it. But if you're an expert, if you've been doing this for decades, and you've read every word of the Bible multiple times, there's still something in there for you. There's a, a place to swim deeper, to dig deeper, um, there's, it, 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 the Bible is not, um, a school lesson that we can be done with and leave behind. All right. Um, there's something in there for everyone.
1: While we're still on the subject of training teachers, we should talk about giving them good resources so that they can help their students.
2: I think when, uh, in an adult education program in church, when we have people teaching, um, a book of scripture, It's probably helpful to provide them with resources. So even if we can't, you know, provide them with what we would say is uh, kind of maximal training, at the very least, we can provide them with a commentary or two um, that is good, that gets to the issues in in the biblical text, that helps them, trains them on how to communicate this so that it has um, application points and those sorts of things.
1: For his last point, Keith brings us back to the lost art of memorization.
2: So making the time to appreciate it, uh, being trained in what to look for and how to read it and how to interpret it and apply it, I think those things are necessary steps for learning to love it. And then finally, I would just say the lost art of memorization. I I haven't done as much memorizing um, in recent years than I did in my teenage years and my 20s. but I still know most of those texts. Um, And I can say that just memorizing it and reciting those texts, um, they speak a little differently to you than if you just passed over them and never bothered to memorize them. When you memorize a text, it it goes deeper inside of you in a way um, that Obviously, you can recall it to mind, but you know the context. You just know it in a better way. It doesn't mean you know everything about it, but you learn it on a deeper level when you take the time to memorize Scripture. I think that's part of loving it. These are habits that we just don't make the time for. We need to resolve that we're going to make time for something that will do us good, and we see it doing us good. And then we learn to love it. And we don't do it because it's time to do it and it's on my schedule, but because we love it.
1: Keith, along with Jennifer and Randy, have helped us understand and appreciate that biblical rootedness involves actually opening our Bibles, learning what it has to say, teaching our students how to get excited about it, how to get into the Word and to see God in every story, and to actually apply those scriptures in our lives by first applying them to memory so that they can make a difference when the time comes. I hope this has been helpful and encouraging to you, and Keith, thank you for reminding us about the importance, the central importance of Scripture.
2: Any Sunday school program must be rooted in in Scripture.
1: On our next podcast, we're going to move beyond being biblically rooted to being theologically grounded. What does it mean to let the central truths of the Christian faith define the parameters of who we are, what we teach, and on which our faith is based? Next up, Theologically Grounded on the Avenue for Faith. Thank you for joining us on the Avenue for Faith. Thanks for joining. No one has ever loved you like Jesus Christ. I hope you feel that love in every sermon that's preached on this podcast. You can find more sermons, transcripts, study guides at nathanguy.com. Please stay tuned for another lesson and rest in the love of Christ.